athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. I think very deeply. In about four seconds, a teacher will begin to speak. I think very deeply. March Madness is in full effect, and we're going to talk plenty of March Madness today. On the program, we've got Elite Eight matchups on Saturday that we need to talk about. And I'll tell you what, once the tournament starts, it goes really, 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 really fast. It's, I mean, we're, we're, we'll be, by the time Saturday is all said and done, we will be at or down to four teams or the final four teams. So March Madness in full effect. We're going to talk to March Madness today on the program. I'm going to tell you what. We got some NBA to talk about today on the program. We got some National Football League. Plenty of National Football League talk here on the program. Tyreek Hill goes to Miami. The Dolphins are getting it done. Now, Initially, when I saw the signing, Teron Armstead, the former Arkansas Pine Bluff star, was Drew Brees' left tackle, had his blind spot really cemented for all of those years, all pro, pro bowl. He ultimately goes to Miami. So that just shows you what the Dolphins think of Tua Tunga Vailoa, right? And now... You have Tyreek Hill that is ultimately in Miami. And I'm going to tell you why I think not only obviously it's a good trade. And by the way, he signs an extension, does Tyreek Hill. And we'll talk more about that because not only is it a good trade ultimately for Miami because of what Miami is trying to do, what it's trying to build uh, there. I mean, I tell you what, it, the the Brian Flores situation still uh, hangs over. It's still a situation that we need to bring up a lot more, quite frankly, uh, because of all the allegations and what's involved. Uh, but I tell you what, the the Dolphins are moving forward with making some moves and trying to win some football games and trying to compete in that AFC East, which now belongs to the Buffalo Bills. But you know, New England's going to respond. I mean, I would imagine that the Jets are ultimately going to be better this year. But this is a – I'm going to tell you why this is also a good move for the Kansas City Chiefs because the Chiefs get five draft picks back, including a first and second round pick this year, which are really, really big. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about that as well. You can participate here on the program as always. Hit us up via Twitter and on Facebook. So I, I got to say this in talking some NBA, and 
I was up in Washington, up in D.C. Big shots out to our affiliate in Washington, WHBC. It is part of the WHUR family. It's HD3, and uh, very happy to be on that station in Washington, D.C., uh, my home area. And had a chance, spent some good time, of course, always good. It's always great to spend time with family and get some, you know, I mean, I think being here in Raleigh, like we, you know, you've got the certain places you like to eat, right? Uh, but, I mean, there are some, there are not as many uh, fast food chain type of places up in Washington like here that have really good food. But there are little spots that are holes in the wall and stuff like that. So I enjoy finding new spots and eating and, and all of those kind of things. And, by the way, I mean, I really enjoy going back to the area to really get some crab cake. Like, I, I haven't found a good crab cake here in Raleigh. I have yet to find one. And if somebody can reach out to me, tell me where the best crab cake is in Raleigh, I may or may not try it. Because I've had a couple of crab cakes in Raleigh, right, maybe like three or four times, and they just never lived up to what I was used to coming up in Maryland. So I said, you know what, I'm not going to get any more crab cakes unless I'm in Washington or Maryland, uh, right? And so, uh, but this time around in, in Washington, I didn't find a good place, had a crab cake. It, it wasn't necessarily that great. I think you got to go to Baltimore. Like when I went to Baltimore, when I was up there a couple of weeks ago, I had, a, it was this place that had, I mean, I, I had one bite of the crab cake and it absolutely melted in my mouth, right? So, you know, you have the foods and all that kind of stuff, family and all that. Had a chance to go and watch the Wizards and the Lakers play. So that, it was exciting, right? Because the night before, LeBron James, the Lakers had played on Friday, and I can't remember who the Lakers played at this point on Friday, and may have even, I can't remember, the Lakers may have, I can't even remember if they won or lost the game. It could have been the Timberwolves. But played on Friday, and it was reported, and I don't think I knew this, that sometimes LeBron won't play in a back-to-back, and particularly on the road. I know it was Toronto. That's who it was. It was Toronto. And I think the Lakers lost that game. I I don't know. I, I can't remember if they won or lost. Anyway, it was Toronto, and so sometimes... As it was reported, he doesn't play in a back-to-back. And I'm thinking, of all the times I would be in Washington and have a chance to see the Lakers play, and LeBron doesn't play, I mean, that I mean, for that would really kind of suck, right? But ultimately, got to the arena. I mean, it was packed. Like, you know, Capital One Arena was packed. Um, it felt like, I mean, it... You know, the the arena was buzzing, right? Like, not only was it sold out, but it was buzzing, right? Like, even, you know, I'm in the media section or what have you, and so you're near the floor and all of those kind of things. And big shots out, by the way, to the Washington Wizards, who whenever I do uh, come back, I'm I'm, I'm always able to uh, really engage and uh, be able to cover a game. So big shots out to the Washington Wizards and – their media relations office but it was just a buzz like a lot of people on the on the front row a lot of picture taking not only of LeBron but just of people excited to sort of be in the building and so there was a buzz and so when LeBron ultimately came out for warm-ups I mean everybody was excited 
and I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I, I was a little bit too because I was really hoping that he would play. Yes, I've seen LeBron play in person. I saw him last, I think, play in person. Would have been the 2013 uh, Game 7 of the NBA Finals in Miami when Miami beat the San Antonio Spurs. I've seen him play in all-star games. But, it, I mean, that's almost, that's, you know, I mean, that's been nine years ago, right? So, I mean, to, to having seen him play in person. And uh, so as he's in the latter part of his career, I was hoping that he would ultimately play. Uh, and he ultimately did. And there was a buzz in the arena. And, you know, we, 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 I mean, he had some spectacular moves. I mean, he was lighting the Wizards up. Wizards got down by 16. And it was most, it was all because of LeBron. And I'm like, man, the Wizards are going to lose this game. And LeBron is just going to go off. And, he, and when are the points going to stop? Like, I think he had 30 something at halftime. And in the second quarter, if I'm not mistaken, it was the second quarter is when he passed Carl Malone for second on the all-time scoring list. He got a big standing ovation. I thought it was just great. Um, they stopped, paused the game for a moment. Big standing ovation, uh, ultimately. And then, the you know, the game continued. And then he went cold in the second half because LeBron is old. He's not able to carry a team as much. He doesn't have very much help at all. And... Ultimately, the Wizards were able to come back and win that game. Kristaps Porzingis was big. Best game as a Wizard to that point anyway. I mean, he was absolutely huge in that game. Started out the game. He's like one for seven starting out the game. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And they got down by 16. Kyle Kuzma, of all the games Kyle Kuzma didn't play, it would be that game going up against his former team. So, ultimately, the Wizards win the game. Um, man, I tell you what, the Lakers – you know, I, I think, and we can talk about Westbrook. And by the way, I think what the Wizards did, it was a break in the first quarter. And the Wizards did a little mini tribute to Russell Westbrook. And he was appreciative of it. He waved to the crowd. You know, he got a bit of a, I don't know if it was a standing ovation, but he definitely got applause. It was a little video tribute. Because remember, he broke Oscar Roberts' record of triple doubles while in a Wizards uniform. And by the way, he was, in essence, the reason that the Wizards went to the playoffs last year, went or won the play play-in game, and then ultimately went to the playoffs. And I think that the Lakers thought, and LeBron James thought they were getting that Russell Westbrook. He has struggled, but I'm, I mean, hey, you know, it, I think at any time he could perhaps come out of it, especially that the Lakers are still kind of holding on, uh, right? But I thought it was a very classy tribute to Russell Westbrook. The other thing is this about LeBron playing, and I was, uh, again, I, I think he's just, he's just, I mean, he's just class. You know, he, he, he does it for the fans, right? First of all, you're only going to play in D.C. once a year, right? This may be, for all we know, this could be the last time we play in D.C. He's appreciative of the fans. He know the, knows that the fans of, of Washington uh, may haven't had great times with respect to uh, their NBA team, but they know basketball. And I think that's enough. I mean, I, I, you know, he probably saw it as an opportunity to, to win a game too, right? Like any game you can win and the Wizards aren't playing well, weren't playing well. But, I mean, I just thought it was classy that he ultimately decided to play in that basketball game even though sometimes he sits out the second game of a back-to-back Still to come here on the program, some March Madness talk. Also, you know we got to talk National Football League. You've got 
signings. You've got trades all over the place. We're going to break a couple of those down, including the Tyreek Hill trade and the Matthew, the Matthew, not Matthew Stafford. Of course, he signed the contract with the Rams, the Matthew Ryan, Matt Ryan, that is, trade to the Colt. We're also going to talk some NBA here on the program as we roll on. As I glance at the double, Katie microphone record. Turn on my callers, say your mic check until the ladies and all party goers. Some call me Pete, then other slow flower. Brothers on my jock, pull the way I hold a piece of steel. To what you're saying. The old renaissance is the new renaissance, standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company, uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsborough. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Salt Box, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. Hello, my name is Precious Rose Dunlap, and this is my mother, Michelle Timlake Roll, founder of Marjorie's Beef Jerky Incorporated. We would at this time like to thank our new customers as well as our repeating customers for your business. For every one million orders that we receive, our company is giving two million dollars away to the bottom of 400 of our paid customers. You see, that's the way we roll. So come place an order at Marjorie's Beef Jerky. Hey, Bugsy, you hear the news about Vinny? Yeah, it's a real shame he owed money to the IRS and they finally cut up with him. Just like Al Capone. If the IRS can get to Capone, imagine what they can do to little old Vinny, huh? Poor cat, he was on top of the world, then bada-boom, bada-bing. What Vinny needs now is an offer he can't refuse. Hey, you got a tax problem? Does the IRS claim you owe them a bunch of dough? They can get you too. So call the tax relief line now and learn if you qualify to negotiate your $10,000 plus IRS tax debt for up to a 75% savings. Don't be like Al or Vinny and get busted. Make this free call now. Learn how you may be able to pay the IRS less. Call now. 888-789-5043. 888-789-5043 Now back to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Madness, and we're going to talk to Mark Madness today here on the program. But I want to talk some National Football League first. And one of the things about the NFL around this time, you're generally talking March Madness and then maybe secondarily it's the NBA. But when you look at 
the National Football League and the NFL and all of the various signings. And this offseason has been really a flurry of activity, especially as it relates to trades, as it relates to quarterbacks. More than I can really remember uh, that I can really remember in the last uh, couple of years. I mean, you start the week off and you think, okay, we're going to be talking about the uh, Matt Ryan trade to Indianapolis. Obviously, Indianapolis needed a, a quarterback, ultimately moved on in only one season with Carson Wentz, felt like he wasn't the guy that, that they needed moving forward. The Colts needed moving forward, so they went and traded for Matt Ryan, right? So this is an this is this is I think this is really good for the Colts. I think I thought Carson Wentz had a solid season last year. Okay, and for the Washington football team, he's definitely an upgrade or or excuse me, the commanders. He's definitely an upgrade at the quarterback position where Carson Wentz was hurt was really ultimately his season defined by the Colts or in the Colts' eyes, was defined by two games, the last two games of the season, including to the lowly Jaguars, right? So that's where Carson Wentz and and the the Colts decided to kind of move on. And it it seemed like a good fit coming into the season. You just really needed a quarterback um, to really – the defense you knew was was semi-elite – you know, the maniac Darius Leonard, uh, the leader of that defense. It was an elite defense. Some good – I mean, the, the running game was at, was an elite running game, uh, elite offensive line. Uh, you you could have used some more weapons if, if you were the Colts from a wide receiver position, but the running game was so great and the defense was so great. Although coming into the season, I would say the defense was would have been considered an elite defense and it, you know, defensively, it was it was it was solid, but not probably as good as the Colts thought it would ultimately be. Now you add a Matt Ryan to that mix, and listen, if you listen to this show any last year, there was plenty of times that I came on the show and I'm like, in making the picks, I'm like, okay, Matt Ryan is not going to be able to get it done for the Falcons, and I think ultimately he had. A he had a solid season, like he had a better, a, a much better season than I ultimately thought he was going to have. So I think to me, it was signal that he has still has a little bit of something left in the tank. A former league MVP made an appearance in the Super Bowl. I mean, I I, I think if again, if the Colts, if the uh, Falcons, when he was when the Falcons made that appearance in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, they run the football one time. One time, ultimately, I think the Falcons win the Super Bowl. Uh, but but Matt Ryan has had some success. Um, there's no doubt in this league. So, you know, you've got, you know, a couple of guys. You've got, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. You've got T.Y. You know, that running game with Jonathan Taylor is absolutely phenomenal. So I think this is a ultimately a great move for the Colts. Now, looking on the other side of that, what 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 about this move? And you don't give up a lot. I mean, you don't you don't give up a whole lot to ultimately get Matt Ryan if you're the Colts. So, but what does this mean now for the Falcons 
moving forward. And I think more specifically, I mean, a lot of these deals, and we're going to talk definitely um, about the Tyreek Hill situation to the Dolphins as well. But what does it mean now for Baker Mayfield moving forward? Deshaun Watson is now there, uh, meaning in Cleveland, right? Nobody seems to want Baker Mayfield. Uh, and, and so what happens with Baker Mayfield moving forward? I mean, I think he has shown to me, and, and again, you can say he was injured last year. Maybe that was part of his issue in terms of the production for last year. But he he's not an elite-level quarterback. He's a former number one overall pick. He's not an elite-level quarterback. So if you're the Browns, you're looking at it, okay, and, and, and the Browns were right not to resign him to a long-term deal. No doubt about it, because he's not that kind, and, and and a deal that would have paid him elite level money, and and the Browns did right because remember the Browns could have signed him coming into last season to an extension. Ultimately decided not to, and the Browns guessed right. I think he's got some limitations. I mean, he's a gutty, he's a gutty performer. I mean, he's, you know, he's he's he has a lot of the things that you want. From a quarter from your quarterback, right? At the end of the day, though, he has nowhere to go, and nobody seems to want him. I mean, remember now, I was talking about the trade a couple of weeks ago, where the Seahawks ultimately traded Russell Wilson, and you get Drew Locke in return. And I'm thinking, I'm like, listen, you know, I I know a lot of people are saying Drew Locke is not that great. I mean, and maybe he hasn't. He he to me, he hasn't. He I think he has something to prove, meaning Drew Locke. And I think he'll be a solid quarterback, but it just goes to show that not even the the Seahawks want Baker Mayfield ultimately. I mean, you look at Pittsburgh going with Mitchell Trubisky. We talked about that a couple of or last week or a couple of weeks ago. Last week, as a matter of fact, um, as well. I mean, I, I think I think Mitchell Trubisky has you know, has won some games in this league, and I think he still has some upside. Like, we really don't know um, what he could ultimately be. I think, you know, he takes a step back, sits back, observes basically for a season in Buffalo, and now he's sort of rejuvenated. Plus, it's it's like, what's the asking price? I mean, what are you asking for, for ultimately from Baker Mayfield? Like, what do you, you know, I mean, you almost have to give up a pick to me uh, to be able to, to be able to move on from Baker Mayfield, meaning uh, the the Browns w- would just have to really move on from him, move on from his contract. It's like, I think, $20 million. I mean, even the Carolina Panthers are going to go with Sam Darnold, but I understand why the Panthers are going with Darnold because ultimately you don't want to pay Sam Darnold whatever it is he making, $19, $20 million a year, and then have to pay Baker Mayfield uh, his contract as well because, remember, it was $20 million for um, ultimately for Sam Darnold, and they ultimately guaranteed that contract for the upcoming season. So the Panthers ultimately stuck with him. So that's why I understand why the Panthers ultimately wouldn't make the move. But uh, listen, I mean, Baker can Baker Mayfield, he has some intangible things. I just don't think he's that elite-level quarterback. And, you know, he 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 he's a little too emotional, I think, uh, for me as well. So we'll ultimately see what happens there, but nobody wants to pick him up. Tyreek Hill. So 
like I was saying in the open, I think that with respect to this move by the Chiefs, I think it's it's a it's a good move for Miami because now you're giving to a Tunga Bailoa, a guy that can really stretch the field. I mean, the only question I would have, I watched Tunga Bailoa play this year, right? Like, he, he's, he doesn't seem to have the strongest of arms to me to really be able to get the ball down the field. He was more of a dink and dunk guy. Now, that may be a good thing for a guy like a Tyreek Hill because you can dink and dunk, get some blockers out there, and now you can get him in space and sort of off to the races as opposed to trying to stretch the field. I think that was a bit of an issue quite frankly, for the Colts, I mean, excuse me, for the Chiefs. And this is the reason why. You look at that second half against the Bengals in that AFC championship game. Well, Tyreek Hill dominated in the first half. The Bengals made a little bit of an adjustment, and it's more like Hill is more of a, he reminds me a little bit of a Deshaun Jackson, a better, I mean, he's better, even Deshaun Jackson's earlier days, but he's a better version of Deshaun Jackson because he's he's much more durable He's 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 he probably is a little bit shorter, but he's stockier. So he's got some bulk. He's not going to get hurt as much. Right. But he's a guy that's going to be able to stretch the field. And if you're the Chiefs, you have an ultra talented quarterback in Pat Mahomes who can make some things happen. Plus, I mean, you just went out and got um, uh, Juju Smith Schuster. You've got you've got Kelsey who is phenomenal at tight end. And you have to factor in the fact that ultimately the Chiefs would have had to pay Tyreek Hill. Remember, Tyreek Hill now gets the extension, uh, you know, with the, the Dolphins, right? So he's getting crazy paid now with ultimately with that extension. So, I think the Chiefs made a decision to move on from Tyreek Hill because of the, the monetary factor. And I just think they probably, you know, in, in the money, you, you have to look at both factors, the money and the production. There's no doubt that the production was there, but it, it, yeah, definitely his presence is going to open up some things for some other guys. There's no doubt about that. But are you willing to pay him that kind of money, the kind of money that Miami is paying him, they ultimately did not, meaning the Chiefs. And, by the way, they got some draft picks out of this first, second round this year, which is great because you've got some talent pool. Maybe you select a wide receiver, and now you have a guy that may be ready, maybe not ready to rock and roll this year necessarily, but ultimately will be able to rock and roll. So it's, it's just an interesting dynamic. Um, for Tyreek Hill moving forward. And that's all the time that I have for this segment. Up next here on the program, Talking NBA. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun you know, living my dream and riding the ride. That, of course, the voice of Bianca Belair. EST is in the building. And that's what Sasha Banks and I are going to do. We're going to uh, WrestleMania. We're going to create history. We're going to be the first two black females to have a title match at WrestleMania. I always say representation is it's not a request. It's a requirement, and I'm going to, to try to become SmackDown Miss Champion. But it's more than just creating a moment and becoming a champion. Just by us standing in the ring, 
We are representation for women and for black women. And so that's an amazing feeling to be able to be that, be that person and be on that platform and the greatest take them all in and be able to create history. It's just, it's an honor. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can, no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, just really, you know, excited. Rob Manfred is the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Players that have been accused in their career of using performance-enhancing drugs, should they be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? I'm going to focus on one word in your question, okay? Accused. Players who have tested positive or there's otherwise been real solid proof that they were involved with performance-enhancing drugs, I think that Hall of Fame writers are entitled to make their own judgment about those players as to whether they think that performance-enhancing drugs or their use of performance-enhancing drugs should prevent them from being in the Hall of Fame. You cannot determine who used performance-enhancing drugs by the way a player looks. It's simply not possible. The one and only Michael Strahan. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years you get to it. <laughs> Man, you know what it's good? And, and, and uh, you're encouraging people to be better and do better. And, and that's what I love, man. So thank you. I appreciate you. I'm talking about none other than Common. Well, I ended up in FAM just because I wanted to major in business. And FAM, you had the illustrious school of business. Then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. NBA All-Star Chris Paul. That was great to bring it back to Winston-Salem State University, a black college. Something that my city had never seen before, may never see again. And just having a up-close and personal feeling with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Melodes. It was exciting. I'm grateful for those guys coming out. He is Stephen A. Smith. Congratulations on all the things y'all have done. Congratulations. Keep up the hard work. Went to Salem State. I had an absolute ball. The only part that was bad uh, was the basketball because my first year there, I cracked my kneecap in half. If I had one thing that I could do over, it would be that I would be there 100% healthy so I could really showcase what I could do. But outside of that, there's absolutely nothing that I would have changed. It was the greatest years of my life. Simone Biles. I guess I just go in there with a positive, open mind of just doing what we do in training and going out there and doing the best that we can do and just have fun with it. I didn't really think of the outcome, but I knew that we had been training hard and we were re- we were just ready. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. All, all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Still, you football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have going to Division One. Kyrie Irving. Playing a Duke for Coach K. What was that like and how that prepared you for the league now? Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a you know, big package for you to become a better player, but for me it was. Playing for Coach K, he gave me the keys to, to the car and I was driving it in first eight games and you know, being a part of something special like that and having a brotherhood built at an institution such as that one is an experience that you never forget. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. Hey everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. Woo-hoo! And you're listening to From the Press Box 
From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the Press Box to Press Row, real, relevant, radio. We're back here on the program Still going to talk some March Madness. We've got some Elite Eight matchups to look at. But I'm going to tell you what. Let let me turn my attention to the NBA right now. And I'm going to tell you one of the teams that is a seriously dangerous team, right? Has a lot of fun on the court and has the team concept. And we have Mike Wallace, the senior editor of Grind City Media on this program very often, and Mike may be able to join us next week here on the program to talk some NBA, but I'm talking about the Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, I watched that game on Wednesday with the Grizzlies. I mean, the Grizzlies, in essence, I mean, I wouldn't call it a blowout, right? But, I mean, they beat the Nets soundly without John Moran. Now, a lot of that is young legs, but I think it's just a great camaraderie. Uh, with that basketball team. And I, I really think that Memphis is a an extremely dangerous team right now. And so, um, you know, I look at the Nets, and, and by the way, I think Taylor Jenkins, the head coach for the Grizzlies, is doing an absolutely phenomenal job. If I look at the Nets, now that the mask mandate in New York has been lifted, it means Kyrie Irving can play home games. Uh, so that's good for him. I The Nets – Listen, you've got, a, uh, what, uh, maybe somewhere between seven and nine games remaining, right? And, and right now the Nets are about two and a half games or so out uh, behind the Raptors for that seventh spot. I mean, we know now the way that the, the uh, NBA does it, the 7-8 and 9-10 is the play-in game. And so, I mean, I think if the Nets had to play now, the Nets had to play the Raptors, I mean, that's, that's going to be a tough out. Because you look at the Raptors, I mean, the Raptors have probably exceeded expectations this year, especially with the way things started out for Toronto. And I know my listeners uh, in Tampa who listen to us on WURK, very familiar. Some of them may be even following uh, the Raptors right now because ultimately the Raptors had to play in Tampa on last year. And I think Tampa's getting it done. I think Tampa's a dangerous team. You know, I've... I've said on this program that I think that KD and Kyrie in of themselves and the rest of the supporting cast, which includes Patty Mills uh, and also includes Seth Curry, who's been injured as of late, could could win the NBA championship. I'm going to still stand by that, but that Grizzlies game really opened my eyes a little bit because, again, you're talking about a Grizzlies team that did not have maybe the league's most dynamic player in John Morant and still beat the Nets soundly, even behind 40-point effort by Kyrie and in excess of 30-point performance by Kevin Durant. So I have some concerns there. Um, but I think ultimately the and again, but this is the thing. I mean, you're not going to face a team. I mean, I don't think 
you know, if you, if you face uh, the Raptors, the Hornets, I mean, in the Haw- either the Hawks, I mean, I think in one game with Kyrie and KD, ultimately the Nets would beat uh, certainly the Hornets and the Hawks, and I believe the Raptors ultimately as well, but would set up a, a, a showdown with either the Heat, who is number one right now, but the 76ers not that far behind. So wouldn't it be interesting if our first-round matchup was between the Heat and uh, ultimately the Nets. Um, I think that would be very, very. I mean, not, that would be that. That would be. I mean, the the Seventy Sixers and the and the uh, Nets. That would be uh, a game you ultimately would like. But you you just. I think things are solidified. I think to me the champ that. And I'm going to back off that statement just a little bit. I think ultimately, I'm not. I'm not going to say it's a guarantee, and I don't think I said it was a guarantee that KD Kyrie could could win a championship. But I, I don't feel as confident about that as I ultimately did. I would feel very confident if Ben Simmons would ultimately be able to play for the Nets because again, I don't need Ben Simmons to do much, handle the ball a little bit. You know, he 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 he's he's a he's a point forward, right? rebound, uh, make a couple of shots here and there. I just need Ben Simmons to play defense and play the elite level type of defense that Ben Simmons can play. Ben Simmons does that with Kyrie and KD healthy throughout the playoffs. I think ultimately the Nets will at least come out of the East and I think can win the conference championship. I mean, we'll see ultimately what happens uh, with the Phoenix Suns, uh, you know, Golden State, I'm not as confident about Golden State now as I once was. Uh, I realize that, you know, you, you Curry, Steph Curry is out, uh, but I'm not as confident uh, with, with them. I mean, I, I like Phoenix, but man, I, I really I, like I don't think that it'll ultimately be the Grizzlies. I think the Grizzlies, the, the issue with the, it's a good and bad thing to me about the Grizzlies right now. The Grizzlies don't know what they don't know because in, pretty much it's a young team. So they're just out there playing, doing their thing. And, you know, when you get in that playoffs, it's a whole nother thing. So you can have those young legs and that athleticism and all those kind of things. But the playoffs is, is much different. So I don't know right now if the Grizzlies is the team that can – the Grizzlies are the team that ultimately can come out of the Western Conference, Okay. I mean, if I had to, if I had to say right now, who the team would be, I mean, I probably would ultimately go with the Suns. I think the Suns have done a, a great job. Uh, the Suns have been able to maintain uh, the Suns. Really, I mean, you, you you're talking about the Suns with somewhere again between seven and nine games remaining, with a you know eight to nine game lead. I mean, they're they pretty much going to wrap up. Um, that Western Conference, so they're going to have that number one seed. And I think when Chris Paul comes back, that I think the Suns are, are the team to beat right now in the Western Conference. I mean, when I look at the East, I mean, I still like the Nets, even though the Nets most likely right now where they get. Now, there's still some time. The Raptors could kind of, you know, fall off a little bit, maybe lose a couple of games here and there. Uh, the Nets – uh, because now that we know ultimately that Kyrie can play, the Nets win a couple of games here and there. Uh, ultimately, maybe they're able to come back. The problem is the Nets and the Raptors don't play anymore, so there's no head-to-head 
situation for the Nets to ultimately be able to make up uh, that ground, at least from a head-to-head perspective, ultimately with the Raptors. I mean, I think you can't count the Bucks out. I mean, really, the Eastern Conference is wide open. Do I think with the Heat being in first place that the Heat are the uh, the Heat is the team to beat? Can't say that. I, I don't think it's the 76ers. I mean, I like, you know, what the dynamics there, uh, right? You got young players like Maxi who are really playing ball. I mean, James, that, that that connection with James Harden and, and Embiid is, is really a good one. But I, I don't know that it'll be the 76ers. I mean, I think, you know, Tobias Harris to me is sort of that wild card. And he's just not played up. He got a max contract a couple of years ago. He's not played up to the max contract. It's part of the reason that the 76ers aren't living, I mean, hadn't lived up to the expectations. And I, I don't know. I think you, I think you, I mean, Max, he's solid, but I mean, he's not going to, I mean, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to give you, he's going to give you a, a, a really good game. He's going to give you 20 points. Um, but you need Harris to, you need Harris and Maxie to give you 20 points. Now, now you're now you're now you're saying something. Now you're doing something right there. The Celtics. I mean, I really like the the the, the game of Jason Tatum. Excuse me, Jason Tatum. I love his game. I mean, I think he's an elite player in the league. I mean, I, Brown is you know Jalen Brown, and then I like I like Marcus Smart is the heart and soul. Like when when the Celtics, there was talk of maybe the Celtics not re-signing Marcus Smart at the time. I guess this is going back maybe three years ago, especially when. The Celtics were, uh, were were going to get Kyrie. I'm like, man, no, that guy, Marcus Smart, can play, and he really can. He can do a lot of different things, plays good defense, can run the point, can hit shots from outside, is a scorer. I mean, he's a really solid player, but I don't know that the Celtics have enough to win. The Bulls were, remember, at the All-Star break, tied with the Heat. Now the Bulls have fallen back to 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 fifth, I, I you know the Bulls don't have that buzz. I mean, Demar Rosen, it's just not the 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 Bulls don't have the buzz, and I just don't think the Bulls have enough to ultimately win. I like Garland in Cleveland. I mean, man, that Cleveland squad. Who saw that coming? Where, and 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 there's still some time left, so you you could see the Raptors make a move in because it's the top six seeds. So you could see the Raptors making the move into the top six. And ultimately, Cleveland falling back. You can see that happening, right? But I just think, you know, I really like the the Cavaliers, but I just don't think the Cavaliers are the team to beat, nor the Raptors. So for me, out of the East, it's the Nets, the Bucks. You got to respect the Bucks as the defending champs, right? When I look at that Bucks team, it, it, you know they, they are the defending champs. You got to respect them. And this is the thing, like. To me, where the Bucs won the championship last year is when the Bucs made that trade to get Drew Holiday. That's that's where it all happened. Um, you, you know, and Drew Holiday, I think, is the key. And Drew Holiday has played absolutely. I don't think we're talking enough about the way Drew Holiday has played. I mean, we could talk about Giannis all day long, but, man, Drew, you know, Drew Holiday has been that guy. He's he's a he's a really, a really good two-way player and, his, it, you know, it took him some time last year, I think, to sort of ingratiate himself with his role 
with the Bucks, and you could see it sort of start to, to, to manifest itself in the conference finals. Not so much once he first got there, but now, you know, he's got that confidence. He knows his role, right? And he's that third guy. So, I mean, I think that the Bucs uh, ultimately are a team that can win. I mean, I've had to put my money on anybody. I still would put my money on the Nets to come out of the East ultimately where things stand right now. And I'm going to tell you what, the Nets got a huge boost. I mean, I don't think it can be overemphasized, the boost that the Nets got with the lifting of the vaccine, vaccine mandate in New York. Because now you're talking about a Nets team that has one, two, three, four, okay, five, six home games remaining out of nine games, six home games remaining, the last two at home, just think if Kyrie ultimately hadn't played. Your thoughts, hit us up on Twitter and on Facebook. Who do you think ultimately comes out of the East, out of the West for the NBA Finals? Ultimately, do you think that uh, the Nets could win even as the, the low seed win that first round series? We'll be back. Attention, those of you looking to go on a fun vacation and see the world on the cheap. Today, the U.S. dollar is worth even more in other countries, so there's never been a better time to travel outside the USA. The dollar is worth over $1.30 in Canadian dollars, and it's the same for Australia. You can fly there today and have fun and maximize your travel dollar. Your U.S. dollar is worth over $3 in Brazilian reals, and it's worth over $18 in Mexican pesos. Plus, in Argentina, it's worth over $27 in Argentine pesos. Just think of the bargains you'll get. And the way you get the cheapest airfare to any destination is by calling Tickets That Cheap. Save up to 75% on your foreign vacation tickets. Don't wait. Call now. 802-317-1987. 802-317-1987. 802-317-1987. That's 802-317-1987. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Salt Box, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. It's Donald Ware, from the press box to press row. March Madness is in full effect. We're going to talk some NCAA tournament here on the program. And I'm telling you, like, I thought this may be the year for Gonzaga. When Gonzaga did lose in the national championship game to Baylor on last year, I did think and say that may have been the window for Gonzaga to ultimately win it. The team that Gonzaga had last year was a better team 
than this year's team. And I thought that window was wide open. Uh, not that Baylor – it's not like Baylor came out of nowhere, but you, you certainly thought, at least I did, going into that national championship game on last year that Gonzaga definitely was the team to beat. And I thought going into this tournament, Gonzaga the overall number one seed. I said, well, you know, maybe this is the year that Gonzaga can get it done. And if not, I, I don't know – like, I don't know moving forward what more. I mean, you always have a chance, right? But now the conversation, years ago, I mean, Gonzaga to even be in the position that it's in is remarkable in of itself. It's brought its conference up. It's brought its conference a lot of notoriety. It's made its conference better. You look at a team like St. Mary's, who now becomes a perennial uh, a, a perennial NCAA tournament appearance uh, for lack of a better word. They're in the NCAA tournament quite often competing with Gonzaga in the conference. If you look at a lot of times when uh, Gonzaga has conference losses and you're all, I mean, it's hard to go through a conference and not lose a basketball game. And so when you look at that WCC and you look at the likes of a Gonzaga, you look at the likes of a St. Mary's, I mean, St. Mary's program has really uh, come up, uh, but a lot of that has to do with uh, what Gonzaga has been able to do. But I don't know how many more chances that and opportunities that Gonzaga is ultimately going to have. I mean, you're talking about a team that played in a national championship game last year. You're talking about a team that played in the national championship game several years ago with an opportunity, went into that game against Carolina as favorites, and ultimately couldn't get it done. So now the conversation goes from Gonzaga, this great story, you know, a, a, a perennial powers. The conference is built up. Gonzaga has built a national powerhouse um, to, uh, and, uh, and made it to the tournament and made Elite Eight runs and all of those kind of things. To me, the narrative goes from that to now, when is Gonzaga going to win a national championship? And I, I you know, I, I sat here around this time last year and said, I didn't know, not that Gonzaga wasn't going to be good, but you look at the talent from that team last year. I mean, you got a couple of first round picks that are playing in the, in the NBA right now. And yeah, Gonzaga able to build it back up to get to the point in which it ultimately got to as what, the overall number one seed again and and just could not get it done uh, this year, losing to Arkansas. I watched the really the last eight minutes of that game where Gonzaga was down Arkansas. You, you know, it almost felt like Gonzaga was going to try and make a – well, it didn't really feel like that, actually. It just felt like Gonzaga was kind of hanging in there, but Arkansas would hit big buckets each time that Gonzaga would make a run. Uh, Gonzaga pulled to within four at one time uh, with possession of the basketball, couldn't get a bucket. Arkansas comes back, scores. And I think that pretty much put the game uh, out of reach. But you look at that Arkansas team, Eric Musselman as the coach, back-to-back Elite Eight tournament uh, uh, appearances now. Um, and it's a team that is super athletic. And I think that's what won out this time around. Much it's Arkansas wanted it more. When I watched that basketball game, Arkansas and Gonzaga, Arkansas wanted the basketball game more. Underdogs coming in, 
underdogs coming into this tournament as a number four seed. And, I mean, and again, probably felt some kind of way, some kind of disrespect uh, in a way, a team that goes, you know, with only eight losses uh, in the SEC, which the SEC has definitely come up, right, with, you know, when, when you think about that conference and, you know, the teams that are there with uh, Kentucky and all of those teams. And because, again, this was a team that appeared in the Elite Eight tournament last year that has a really good coach. So no doubt about it, Razorbacks, with a chip on their shoulder and ultimately played that way um, against Gonzaga. But I just, you know, I, I just don't know how many more opportunities that the Zags uh, or the Bulldogs uh, are ultimately going to have in terms of winning a national championship. I mean, again, to build this, I mean, you know, how, how, how much longer, I mean, and then I think the other question becomes and, and, and we're not you know putting him out you know in terms of retiring right but how many more opportunities does Mark Few as the head coach have right to 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 win a national championship I mean I think the way Gonzaga builds its program compared to most of the other teams particularly the other uh, more elite teams you got a lot of one and done situations um, you know, you got a lot of guys that are leaving early, sophomore years, junior years. Uh, not that that doesn't happen in the Gonzaga program, but Gonzaga builds a program. So you're going to have a lot of really three-year players more, and then a lot of four-year players as well. So, the, so you look at Gonzaga, it has that experience, generally speaking, but experience always doesn't win out, does well in the conference, and it, it doesn't have anything to do with you know, again, I look at a St. Mary's and maybe the conference isn't the strongest conference because you point out St. You know, I pointed out St. Mary's as one of the real contenders in that conference. But I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't know. I mean, Gonzaga plays a pretty tough schedule throughout the course of this, the year. I mean, it, this was the number one seed overall. So, yeah, maybe the conference isn't as strong as you would like for it to be. But. Gonzaga's playing national opponents, and when you come in as the number one seed overall, you've done something really, really good throughout the course of the season, uh, despite the conference maybe not being one of the you know upper echelon conferences in the country. Just don't know how many more opportunities Gonzaga is ultimately going to have. I, I, you know, I look at my, I look at my bracket. And it's shot. I mean, you know, I had Gonzaga winning the national championship. Now, one uh, one I've gotten right so far is Houston going to the Final Four. I mean, I just felt like Houston – I mean, I've watched Houston play a couple of times this year and especially watched uh, Houston play against Memphis. And that's a, become a really, really good rivalry in the American Conference. And, you know, I like what Kelvin Sampson is doing. I like his team. It's a really good team. He's a really good coach. So – I mean, I, I had, you know, I had Arizona as my first number one seed that ultimately fell. But there's only one, there's only one number one seed. You know, the number one seeds are just falling by the wayside, right? And so I don't know who I'm going to have. Who I, I mean, it's obviously too late to pick with the bracket. But in terms of who now do I think will win uh, the national championship, let me get back to you next week uh, when we're in 
the Final Four. Uh, you know, I had Villanova, uh, certainly. Um, I, well, actually, I, I, well, I had Villanova. Yep, I had Villanova. Uh, well, actually, I had Villanova losing uh, in the Sweet 16. Uh, but Villanova is, I mean, it's just a perennial powers. Won a couple of national championships here in the last four or five years. Um, you know, I, I, what more can you say? Maybe Villanova could be a, a possible contender to win another national championship coming in as a number two seed. And I mean, you know, I, I'll, you know, I think Michigan, I think Michigan this year played in the tournament, at least to this point, has played above where Michigan probably should be. So no surprise that Villanova was going to take care of Michigan. Now, I will say I did have I did have the matchup between Texas Tech and Duke. I had Texas Tech moving on to the Elite Eight against Gonzaga, so I'm way wrong right there, you know, because now we're going to see Arkansas and Duke matchup in that Elite Eight. Coach K's career continues. I didn't know about this Duke squad. You've got Banchero. You've got Roach. I mean, those guys hit big shots down the stretch. That was a nip and tuck affair. And ultimately, with Texas, Texas got a really strong team. And, and, and we've seen in years past with Duke teams in battles like this, just couldn't get it done. But now, you know, I, I'd have to look at Duke as possibly a national championship contender now. Um, the way that this team is playing Again, you don't want to be the team that, in Coach K's last year, loses to Carolina last game of the season, loses in the ACC championship game to Virginia Tech, a team that had never even been in an ACC tournament championship game, let alone won an ACC tournament championship game. You didn't want to be that team. And I think those, those as Coach K would call them, kids are, have been refocused understanding the moment, understanding those two crucial losses, really understanding uh, that this is Coach K's last year, and so they're going out and playing. I think Duke willed itself to that victory against Texas Tech. It's a nip-and-tuck affair. It's a good Texas Tech team. It's a Texas Tech team that I ultimately had uh, in the Elite Eight. Uh, and uh, listen, Duke could certainly be a contender as things stand right now. Again, as I said, I like Houston. Um, you know, knocking off number one seed Arizona to me, no surprise there. I did at least have that matchup. So uh, you can check out my bracket online. It is absolutely shot right now. No question. However, um, you know, we'll see what ultimately I still have Houston rocking and rolling. We'll ultimately see what happens uh, with Houston. It's one of the t it's the team that I have uh, that's left moving forward. I got to get ready to run here on the program. So glad that you've joined us. You can log on to our website uh, and uh, check out all of the great conversations uh, as the NFL, as we get closer to the NFL draft, we're going to have NFL uh, prospects on the program. The draft is what now about a month away or so now. So we'll continue and we'll have NFL prospects on the program as we've done each and every year. And of course you can find that right here on the program. Again, want to remind you, HBCU All-Star Game taking place during Final Four weekend next Sunday in New Orleans. Very much looking forward to that. I'm going to have more information about that on next week's program. And always remember to support those that support 
Yo, Box Toro is produced by DW Communications. And the magic that's so-